This episode of FYI, All Things Mental Wellness, is powered by Haydar Homes. For a home you'll love, that's thoughtfully designed, crafted with care, and made to last, check out Haydar Homes over at haydar.com.au. Thank you to Haydar Homes once again for your incredible support. And now, on with the podcast. If you or a loved one need mental health assistance or are experiencing a mental health crisis, Call Lifeline 24-7 on 13 11 14. Hello and welcome to another episode of FYI, All Things Mental Wellness. Our guest today will have a familiar voice to our long-time listeners. He wears several hats in life, including business owner, state coordinator Victoria for the Black Dog Ride, is a past president and now senior active Apex member for 20 plus years. But most importantly, he's a husband, father and grandfather to two beautiful grandkids. He has a larger than life personality and his passion for supporting the community is unquestionable given his years of service to many community groups and this very podcast. We've asked him to come in and have a chat today about how he navigates the obstacles that life can throw us when you're wearing all these different hats in life. I think you'll agree by the end of this conversation, life can be tricky for him to say the least. Bernie Garvey, welcome to FYI. (laughs) Thanks, Nard. It's actually good to know why we're here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey, Burn, come and do a podcast. You can be a guest this time. Yeah. Yeah, good. What are we going to talk about? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> we'll soon find out. It did go something like that, didn't it? A lot it? like that. And, you know, as I was not so much writing it, but when I was just reading it then, I thought, oh, my God, we've we've come a, a long way for people that are listening, all those millions of people out there that are listening. <laughs> Bernie and I obviously kicked off this podcast initially. So, yeah, it's a bit weird sitting here with Dave Opposite. Now. Yeah, and Bernie's sitting opposite. Well, it is weird for me too because you sort of sit down and go, shit, I've got to talk about myself this time. Yeah. Instead of talking about, you know, yep. everybody else that's going around. But it'll be right. And, yeah, it is hard, isn't it? I don't know about hard, but it'll be – well, it's the unknown, isn't it? You, yeah. It's always weird when you're talking about yourself. It doesn't yeah. matter what you do. You know, we um, we had you know we had a blast talking to so many different people early on. And, yep. you know, Nards did – for those of you who – don't know or haven't listened to the earlier podcasts. Nards did a massive amount of work in the background, and, and I was when we talked about it before. It was just felt like Dave. I just sort of rock in and sit down. That's it. You know, don't <laughs> do much. Smile, once smile, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just have part of the conversation. And that's probably why we all have worked so well together. Is yeah, you need need a bit of both the yin and the yeah, yang. Yeah, the yin and yang. Yeah, absolutely. So. I mean, unlike a lot of other guests, I suppose there wasn't one reason we got you in here today, Bernie. It's just many reasons. And I, I guess it's a chat about, you know, I don't know, let's start with a few of these hats that we talk about in the intro. So coordinator, Vic coordinator for the Black Dog Ride. Why? How? Mm. Who? Where? Yeah. Right. <laughs> how? Why? How long's a piece of string? Well, no, yeah, a little bit, but- it's so it's so super basic. It's crazy, but I love motorbikes. Right, that's my passion in the world, and 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 I like you know road bike riding and a bit of dirt bike riding and all sorts of stuff. So after having bikes when I was younger, and then when the kids came along, you sort of park them in the garage and they don't come out again for a long time. So we sold them, 
But that was always in the back of my mind that we'd get back into bikes again. And when we did, I had a couple of mates who were riding with at the time and we were sort of looking for things to do and, and groups to ride with. Anyway, this thing came up in Wangaratta and we thought, oh, that's a group ride. It looks like there's plenty of people going to that one. We're going to have a crack at that, see what it's all about and go from there. Anyway, and that was a black dog ride. So it was a one day ride that they have as a fundraiser. Anyway, so we went on that and that was okay. And I met the coordinator and he was a reasonable sort of fella. So we got chatting as we do and and my really good mate Greg will turn around and he'll say, yeah, well, like Bernie does with everything, he just evolved into, okay, well, I'll take that. I'll do that. I'll do that. And, and you know, we'll do it our way or, do, or whatever it is, you know. So, yep. and it's not because I want to do it better or whatever. It's just that I have a wicked anxiety problem. And the way I deal with my anxiety is I organize shit. And then I know it's done. Mm. And then I don't have to worry about it or, or try to, you know, stress about how it is. So, Okay. That's me. That's my organisational world. So we sort of got involved in that a little bit. We did a few rides and found that the charity was a really cool thing and the people that were involved in it were really good. And uh, and eventually one day the guy said to me, look, I need to move on and do other things. And the guy that was a coordinator at the time, he said, would you would you entertain the thought that oh, I like motorbike riding? I like hanging out with people. I don't mind drinking beer. <laughs> Let's go and do that. So it evolved into into that. A little bit along the way, so Black Dog, to go back a little bit, Black Dog Ride is a, it's a mental health awareness charity, radio. So I'm not a mental health professional and we've talked about this over the years in the, in the podcast that I'm just a, an average bloke who likes talking to people. So the charity itself is two things. It's a fundraising entity to put uh, funds back into communities that are running mental health programs, right? So- that's one part of it. The other part of it is it's a facilitator for people who, especially people who like motorcycles, because that's our catalyst, but it's an outlet for them to go and do something. So it's in a way for them who might be depressive or they might have anxiety issues or they might have a million other things that make up life that they need something to look forward to. So we provide that by running events that they can come on with their motorbikes. So it's a uh, Two things. We're doing something good for the community along the way, and we get to fang around on mm, motorbikes. Yeah, you know, absolutely. It's a bit like that. So win-win. Not to take, you know, make it too too light of the whole thing, but that's that's what we do. And it's surprising the longer that we've done this, and the more people we've met along the way, the deeper impact we actually do have on on community, and not community at large necessarily, because it's not a massively known charity and it's not a government funded charity it, it's not it's all self-run and all, all run by volunteers so you're not super known in community like beyond blue or you know any of the larger mm. charities like that but one-on-one when we're talking to people and we bump into people in the street or later on or or somebody will come and talk to you a bit later on and said you know if you didn't run that event i might have been in a different place in the world mm. right now mm. and that to me, has a, an incredible impact, and and that's that's probably the one reason I do it. You know, mm. we did a we did a ride at one stage where it was I don't know, a week or so later, and I was actually out for a ride on my own, and a bloke rang me up, and through the wonders of technology, I can take phone calls in my helmet, <laughs> and uh, and it's that good that people don't know where you are. So you be riding up the road at hundred kilometres an hour, and people think you're sitting in your lounge room. Yeah, but, wow. <laughs> um, it's you know, I had a conversation with this fella. 
and straight out told me that if if we didn't run that event and if he hadn't met me and if I hadn't been the personality that I am and if I hadn't taken the time to speak to that man, he said flat out that his life would have ended. And that is such a levelling, which, you know, it's just, uh, I still struggle to put that into words, what that meant, but I stopped and you know, sat and reflected after after his little chat and thought to myself, well, if if that's the one person that we've helped or we've saved, mm. then we're doing the right thing. Mm. So from there on, I, I you know, I couldn't couldn't not be involved, I mm. suppose. It was just I just felt that we were doing the right thing for people. And then um, as life turns its 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 weird wheels, I had an episode where I lost my brother to to a car accident, they called it a car accident. So, and that had a massive impact on on me, and you know, and I sort of fell off a bit of a cliff myself for a while there. And that, and you just lose everything. You lose your, you you lose a track of where you're going. You lose the passion for everything that you've of got. Course. You lose everything else. But by the same token, I was able to draw on some of the the emotions that I felt during that period of time to be able to reflect that back. And help other people that were going through something similar or had been through a loss of some description. Because like everything else in life, you don't see it until you've been there. Or you don't see it until it's come across your desk. Depression was not something that was never been in our lives necessarily, I didn't think. And so it hadn't had a massive effect on me. You know, When I decided to be part of that charity, it was kind of like when I was part of Apex in Wodonga. It was just a a community organisation that I was happy to help out with, you know, just be one of a thousand people that was helping out somewhere along the line. And if, you know, if I was a piece in that cog, then the whole thing kept going and it was better for everybody in the whole sense of things. Mm. But then all of a sudden certain things happen in your life and you I don't know, you get a deeper understanding for what people are going through and, and how you might be able to help them. And, you know, and again, not clinically, but I've got two ears and one mouth and you know, I can listen and sometimes I can help with the thoughts of what I had at the time and that, you know, hopefully that's beneficial. Oh, abs, that lived experience is massive and I think we're going to see more and more of that in a professional setting as well, that, you know, the, the lived experience, carers and things like that. Like you said, you don't need a, a degree necessarily. You can't diagnose but... Yeah, I, th- I think it speaks volumes. Yeah, and I think the more we can educate people. Yeah. So the charity is, has, uh, that other side of the charity is it, as, as an awareness uh, mm. vehicle is that we're just out chatting in community. It doesn't matter who you're chatting to. And the talk could be about footy like it was when we first sat down here before mm. we pushed record. And that just weaves its way into mm. someone's life. And if they feel comfortable enough speaking to you about footy, they may be also then dropping little hints along the way and we're not born ready to recognise those little hints that people are dropping mm. out there all the time. And and I wasn't, mate. I was 10 feet above everybody's emotions for the most of my life and you don't, you sort of don't fall back down into that until you really see it. But when we take time and we talk about mindfulness and we talk talk about the, you know, all of the things that you slow your life down a little bit so you can be aware of what other people are doing, until you know that you need to do that or, or you're shown how to do that, 
you don't mm. do that. So even if you are talking to somebody in the footy sense and they're dropping little hints in along the way that they're not doing okay, you won't see it. Mm. And, and I must say, I never saw it for a lot of time with a lot of my friends. But if if you have an opportunity to slow down or if you get that opportunity to just, you know, take one step back off the pace of life, you can see that. And and, and sometimes you're just a, a, a friendly ear for mm. someone to have a little chat about. And if they can... I don't know, if they can knock the top off the pressure cooker that they've got, just that little bit, that that could be enough. Mm. You know? But but even just coming along for a ride, like I, I suggest you need to have a motorbike or of some subscription to come it, on the ride. It helps, so, otherwise you get left behind. <laughs> <laughs> but <clears throat> that in itself is a it's a, a great healthy distraction going out for a ride. With a group of, of people, it's a form of, I don't know if it's a form of exercise, my type of exercise, but that in itself Well, is, it's, a, it's, is, a, it's adrenaline, isn't it? Correct, It's, it's yeah. creating good endorphins. It's, yep. yeah, it is, and, and you're right, it's not for everybody. You know, it's yep. openly says she's not a motorbike no. person, and that's fine. Not, not everybody is, but not everyone likes going for a run. No, um, that's and not, right. It is the endorphins that kick in straight away. <laughs> one one of the two on the other <laughs> side of the couch there is, is a runner. Uh, but, um, yeah, look, bikes aren't for everybody. I understand that. And, yes, it, you know, people think they're dangerous and they're this and they're that. But I, I, there's one, one thing that I can tell you is that when, as a motorbike rider or a motorcyclist, when you put that helmet on and you close the lid and you start and you go – Every thought in your mind that you've, has to dif- has to mm. disappear. Mm. The one thing that you've got in front of you is staying alive, mm. essentially. That's mindfulness. You don't think like that, but it makes everything go away. And it's you know when the world's a bit busy and your head's a little bit buzzy. Mm. For me, that's a wonderful thing. And people who run often, especially long distance runners, if you talk to them, they do that. They clear their mind and, mm. and run. For me, it's bikes. What a wonderful organisation and, mm. yeah, kudos to you. Oh, it's good. I mean, I'm oh. just, like I said, I'm, I'm a small yeah. cog in that. There's there's thousands of volunteers that yeah. are part of, part of yeah. that organisation, but it's growing and, you know, and we're doing good things, putting yeah. money back into local communities. and uh, Absolutely. I think it's worthwhile from that point of view. Bernie, what, one from me. Yeah. Something that triggered me earlier when you were discussing your the passing of your brother, something – that's what they called it. It was your brother in a vulnerable time, or yeah. Look, hindsight's wonderful. You know, at at the time when the authorities and everybody looked at, at Mark's position, he did. He died in a in a single car accident. You know, there's things you find out afterwards about mm. about his life, and and you put two and four together, and and you can make assumptions. I know what I know, mm. and mm. and you know that. That makes me feel a particular way. Hmm. Not everyone subscribes to that theory in our family. Yeah, and that's fine. That's that's okay. I'm not. I'm Is, not saying they're wrong. Could but, that potentially be hiding from the the, oh, the realities, or well, maybe? Yeah, mm. yeah. Oh, look, you know, it's it's. Grief is horrible, mm. and you do and you say things when you're grieving that um, maybe you don't have 120 percent vision yeah. of of what you're yep. doing and saying. And things happened after Mark passed away that, you know, I went into full protection mode. I, you know, the big brother, the whole, and dad was really sick and uh, I probably threw myself into doing too many things all at once. And when discussions were had at one stage. 
I gave an opinion that I had and uh, it may not have gone down really well family-wise. Mm. And that's okay. You know, live with that as yeah. a direct result now. Yeah. So, I don't know, those who listen to the podcast at the back end of it all will, will yeah. decide all of that. You know, I'm guessing, well, not warps, it's, it's. Oh, well, like you said, it's an opinion and it's, that's what you've drawn. Yeah. And I, look, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, that was a classic saying of my dad's, you know, it is what it is. And, uh, it's the truth, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, my brother is gone from, from life and there's nothing any of us can do about yeah. that. The circumstances that may have led to that probably built up over a long period of time potentially or on a bright sunny day he's carved career off the road and hit a gum tree mm. who knows mm. you know i wasn't there i can't tell it's, yeah it's a tough one mm. yeah, it's it's one of those things that there's no conclusion on it and that hasn't led me down the road of you know fighting the fight against depression or, or suicide but it gives me an understanding of how people may have been feeling or can feel especially mm. as as victims of suicide, if you like. So let's assume for a second that, and, and, you know, suicide is not necessarily part of our life, but as somebody who's on the receiving end of someone dying suddenly, you, you have certain emotions that come with that mm. and, and you have certain questions that come with that, no matter what happens. So until that's happened to you, you probably can't get a really deep insight into what somebody else is trying to deal with at the time. So, I've stayed involved with the charity because I think I've got something that I might be able to help somebody else with just through a journey that I've been with mm -hmm. and, and might dwell on my brother necessarily, but you know, in, in our family life, dad was running through cancer and had, had cancer for quite a number of years and they didn't know what it was and they couldn't find it. And eventually he lost his fight, not all that long after Mark died. And so that sort of, we went from bang to bang, um, and that punched me up pretty bad, I must say. Um, but again, you know, mum was on her own and my sister was struggling and there's you know, a few other things that were going on and my sister had lost her husband to suicide and that was in around about the same time. And so it was a, a period in our family's life that, it's not a low period necessarily, but it's a, it was a trying, definitely. A trying period, and wow. definitely, definitely sounds like a classified low. Mm. It, it, and not trying to drum on the mark, but is that something that you've lived like thinking you know more about? Like, is that like a chapter that you haven't been able to close? Or it was, yeah, it was. I I would suggest that I've closed that yeah. chapter. Yeah, look, there were things that I know that other people don't know. Mm. And there, were, and there was, you know, stuff that I know that I can't share with other family members along the way. And that was really tough. And that was the kind of stuff that burns you up inside because, mm. you you know, you really want to tell somebody something that you know for an absolute fact, but you can't or shouldn't, mm. you know. I don't know, it's a protection thing or whatever it is. But oh. the other stupid thing is that <clears throat> I'm involved with a charity that tells people to go and get help. Mm. You know, this is where you go to get help. This is what you do. And I'm that stupid bloke who um, never did <laughs> do yeah. as I say, not as I do, yeah. sort of thing. And and it took me years, four years, in fact, um, until I absolutely spoke to somebody. Mm. And I got to a, a phase in my life where I just 
operating was was difficult, and uh, and so I did. I reached out and I had a chat to a particular person, uh, a professional, and it helped. Yeah, mm. it really did. And funnily enough, now I can give advice on that. <laughs> so I, I don't want anybody to go down that road to have to learn those lessons that way. I'd much rather the hard way. I'd rather give them the advice up front, so they don't have to go down the road that 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 I've gone down. Yeah, yeah so. for sure. And I, mean, I say that to people out, out loud, you know, um, you know, if you want to have a chat about something, come and have a chat. My phone's always on and I'm always there to have a chat when I can, because oh. I'd much rather you walk the easy road rather than taking the way that I went down. You know? Absolutely. So That's not to say our life is better or worse than anybody else's though, you know. No, everyone's life. People lose neat, children, people, you know, yeah. lose spouses. It's, it's, you know, and, and in, and I do talk to a lot of people that have have had some pretty horrendous things happen in their lives to them, and I look at them and think, "Fire out! That's you know, that's that's wild." Mm. And yet we have this discussion, and there'll be people on the other end of this going, "Holy shit! You know, mm. that, what a what a wicked time mm. in in that family's life." Um, of course, but you know, you you learn and you grow and you and you and you move forwards a little bit um, each day and. Hopefully you don't take two steps back. You know, you take your half step forward. Yeah, and it can get you there. So, what other hats have we got? We've we've covered a couple of hats. Uh, I, I guess my biggest, well, not biggest thing. It's 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 a collective, but it's you know doing life. I love hearing people who have all these things. You know, we're parents, we're grandparents, we work, we we're involved with things. So, what about the family? You've got two. Lovely boys, Jacko and Sean, and you got a couple of beautiful grandkids, and a very patient wife, <laughs> <laughs> Carrot. They all are, aren't they? <laughs> they are. <laughs> They're all patient. They all are. Because um, you're a team, and you're a very close knit family. Yep. Tell us a bit about home and and how they all go with you doing this sort of stuff as well. Like, because I, I imagine it would take you away from family. Life. Yeah, I'm selfish. Yeah, um, we all can be to selfish. a degree. Yeah, um, I put my passions sometimes ahead of maybe what what the family needs. But I mean, that's a spread. I, I, I hopefully I'm not any different to anybody else when it comes to that. You sort of you prioritise sometimes where you, where you need to be. And family is is and always will be number one. But sometimes you commit to things and and, and you can't be where you want to be for family. That that can happen. Yeah. <laughs> And I look. I've been places where I think, oh fucking hell, I shouldn't be here. I should be. I should be home with with Kaz or, or whatever. You know. Yeah. If you ever ever get a chance to talk to Kazza, which you probably won't here in this with this no, thing in front of I've her tried. face. <laughs> I've tried. But um, you know, even when we moved up here, so we're originally from Gippsland, down south in Victoria. And when I moved up here for a promotion with work, we had the two boys. Jackson had just started prep, and Sean was a baby. And we moved up here to a place where we knew absolutely nobody. And we, we moved, we bought a house and it was an old shitter. And we're, oh, it's all right, we'll do it up, it'll be fine, you know. And I was a regional sales rep and I was away a lot, you know, four days out of five. And I was that dumb and naive and, and wanting to succeed and wanted to provide my family with everything that it, it honestly didn't dawn on me for a long time or for a lot of the time that my wife and kids were at home in a shitty old house that we were renovating. For a long time, Kaz and the boys 
well, she went through a winter here in Wodonga where it literally snowed in town, <laughs> living in a camper trailer and a caravan in our backyard. <laughs> and, you know, amongst the rubble of a building site, it was just, if I look back on it now, I should have shot myself, you know, I was just, <laughs> fuck, you're an asshole. But she's, she's massive, you know. The, Karen is a, such an inspiring person that, you know, I get out of bed every day f- for her. You know, I, I don't do it for myself. I, you know, I love, love my life. I love my kids. I love my grandkids. But uh, now I get out of bed for her. You know, it's she's. Uh, um, We've obviously hit a nerve there, <laughs> and, and I mean, you probably heard me say I, I did try getting Kaz on here back when Bernie and I were um, co-hosting together, and. I think her exact words would be, I would just cry the whole the whole time. <laughs> uh, we'd, neither of us would be any good. But mm. tell us a bit about Kaz, yeah. life Yeah, Kaz. So, so Kaz and I met at a friend's party. And she was she was 20 or something like that and I was a bit older. And we just hooked, you know, hooked up at a party like everybody does. Back in the 60s, <laughs> 70s. <laughs> You're so funny. <laughs> I don't know, it was a Collingwood Essendon grand final. <laughs> oh, I can give you that because that was the party. We were at a at a friend's place for a Collingwood Essendon. 1990. 1990 when there we you go. met Collingwood. There we go. That'd be pretty Good close. Good year, that. Yep. Tony Shaw held the cup. Mm. There you go. Gavin Brown nearly died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. So anyway, sorry, sorry, Karen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, off, off the and And I had lost my license because I was a dickhead. So I'd caught a train and, and walked to this party. So it was a... Half an hour away from where I lived. Anyway, I needed a lift home after the party and Kaz had a license and she was at uni up the road. So she gave me a lift home and eventually we got married and had two kids. Short story long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so awesome. Sure. Yeah, there you go. But um, Did she know you didn't have a license? Uh, yeah. 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 I had to tell her. That's why I needed a little <laughs> lift home. But I, I was just young and, you know, did stupid things in cars. That's what it was at the time. But- Karen, uh, when she was 16 years old, Karen's from a farm up in Dargo in, in East Gippsland. And when she was 16 years old, she had a farm accident um, where she was run over by a, a water cart, you know, like a furfy water cart, and it crushed her spine between her shoulder blades and affected the spinal cord. So Karen's a what they call a partial paraplegic. So that means she's got some feeling sort of from her belly button down, but not nowhere near 100%, not even 50%. But, you know, with that means that, you know, sh- sh- there's limitations that we have in our life as a, as a result. And that's just, you know, moving around and that sort of thing. And, you know, it takes a bit longer to do things and there's certain stuff that you can't do. You know, we don't go mountain climbing together and we don't go, you know, long walks on the beach and that sort of stuff, which I know she listen to this and cry because she, you know, dearly loves to do that. But that's okay. They, they, they're things. That's no different to other couples that can't do different things, you know, if if I was in a motorbike riding and my wife wasn't, she wouldn't be able to come motorbike riding with me, that sort of thing. So if you level that out and go, okay, well, and there's some things we can do and some things we can't, but, you know, we've travelled the world, we've, we've two beautiful children, Kaza works her butt off looking after kids that have learning disabilities, that's what she does, and every day she gets up and punches through the issues that are in her life, you know, and that, and that goes from the very second she gets out of bed in the morning to when she puts herself to, to sleep at night every day for Kazari's, it's a marathon, 
Mm. Do you know everything's it's with her arms and as, as <laughs> and she'll laugh a little bit, but she's old now, and uh, and so of course she doesn't quite have the the muscle strength that she used to have, you know, years ago when we were younger, and and we'd walk a bit together, and so she spends more time in a chair now. So I've, you know, so she's um, everything's done with her arms and her upper body. So it's it's this massive marathon that she. She has every single day. So I had no idea. That's that's blown me away. Yeah. So for that very reason, you know, when I if I struggle with something, all I've got to do is look over at Kaz and go, harden up, son. You know, mm. it's it's uh, you know, take a deep breath, and you know, if you, if you had to do that, could you? Probably not. Mm. You know, maybe not. I don't know. But together, you know, we've we've a, we have a great life. You know, we have a blast, and um, you know. It doesn't stop Kazza from doing anything that she puts her mind to, you know. So she comes on the motorbikes, obviously. How do you navigate that with the wheelchair? It's evolved over the years. Yeah, and she loves coming on the bike with me. Yep. So <laughs> that's a cracker. We turn up at events where there's, you know, 100 people and, you know, I've got a wheelchair strapped to the back of my motorbike and people just look at it and go, the hell is that? You know, there's two... <laughs> push bike wheels, looking things hanging off the back of it. So Karen's got a, a folding chair that origami folds up into right. essentially into an esky that I sit that I strap on the back of the bike and it goes on the in the wheel. I've manufactured something that works for us. But we've evolved now where we've got a trailer that we tie around with us so I can put a more robust chair into into the trailer. So that makes it a little bit easier for Kaz. You know, different chairs take a lot more effort to work with so the the more rigid the chair the less effort there is to push so the day is less of a marathon mm. so yeah so we've evolved now we've shuttered to tell you our five motorbikes some are for me some are for me and kaz it's a it's a yeah it's we've evolved and i i, I can't sell stuff mm. it's just you walk past my place and the doors up. There's multiple bikes in there. Yeah, <laughs> but um, you know, it's it's something that we like doing together, or it's something that I like doing that Karen does with me. She tells me she likes it, <laughs> and I, and I know she does. There's a certain freedom that that comes with riding a motorbike or being a passenger on a motorbike. You know, it's just everything just flies past you, and you know, for her, the speed is a good thing. She she kind of likes that, um, and it's and there's a certain freedom that comes with. You know, nothing being around you. You're not cocooned. You're not limited to being in in that chair that she's in. Oh, and, I imagine that would be and all very that sort of stuff. I her. suppose, but so how you know. how was you know rearing having two kids and rearing children through being babies through to to adults for know? me or for Kaz? Well, <laughs> for Kaz, or, fucking or, hard. Yeah, yeah, like, like seriously hard. You know, when you're as a parent. If your child runs away from you, and they do when they're toddlers, mm. they just, they bolt, they go. Kaz had no way of catching them. And if that happened at the back of the car towards the road, mm. that was one of their biggest fears that the boys would dart off. Now, I don't know whether it's because of uh, them growing up around Karen or not, but they're amazing kids. Mm. Oh, they're, they're amazing boys. And, you know, they're like any kid, their mother is everything to them. But when they were growing up, they were not naughty. Like they weren't the kind of kids that tried to run away through the worst sometimes. I wouldn't say all that all the time, but it was just one of those things. We, they'd sit on her knee and just, mm. you know, roll around and, you know, other kids would, you know, look at Kaz with the wheels because it's, it's different, you know, 
and they still do. You know, Karen works in a school environment and you can still hear the kids, little kids, like little preppies and the likes that have never seen somebody in a wheelchair before. Mm. Oh, wow, look, she's got wheels. I wish I was in a wheelchair. <laughs> and I've heard Karen say out loud, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, from a little kid's mind, it looks really yeah. cool. But yeah. And for our kids, it's been normal for all of their yep. lives. And I'm sure for them, you know, there was probably times at school and, and, and you know, in sporting environments where it's kind of like, you know, your mum's in a wheelchair, what the fuck would you know? But you know what kids are like, you know, they, they'll they'll find a way to pick on you somewhere, somehow. And I'm sure the boys weathered that and, you know, if only they could meet Sean now, he's six foot five and 110 kilos, he's a <laughs> massive unit, you know, and Jacko's the most athletic, big, tall fella that you've ever seen. So if, if those little kids knew that they were going to turn out to be these blokes mm. now, they might not have, but... Again, you know, they're, they're, they're great fellas and, you know, that's not, you know, aggression's not part of their world. But, mm. yeah, for Kaz, it would have been su super difficult. You know, hopefully we did a lot of stuff together and we do a lot of things together. Um, Karen's the kind of person who will ask for help if she needs it, but generally it's too late. <laughs> you know, she's a stubborn-minded person who will succeed. You know, I can do it mm. kind of attitude, which is awesome. You know, that if I don't feel like getting out of bed some days because I'm, you know, my anxiety's going off its head and, you know, I, I, I can't rationalise how things are going to be, you know, I just got to think about the way that she's got this absolute attitude to, to get things done, you know, and I, and I know there's days where she doesn't want to drag her ass out of bed either, you know, just far out, you know. Another day of doing what I have to do and going through the routines that I have to go through to to just get out the door in the morning, mm. um, you know, all of that, which together we is part of our normal routine now. But if you were looking in from the outside and hopefully you're not looking in through our bedroom windows of the morning, but <laughs> <laughs> you would look at, at the way things are, are done and, and, and go, oh, wow, holy shit. You know, there's a lot going on of a day. But, you know, she does that. She does it the way that works for her. And she did that when the kids were little, as they were growing up, you know, found ways to do things, you know. It, it may not have been that she got out of bed to, to go and get the kids out of the cot to do a nighttime feed. That, that might have been my role at the time, to, to bring the kids in, you know. Mm. So, you know, maybe it was just a teamwork thing. Um, but moreover, it's Karen, it's not me. What an instant and daily reminder or a leveller I try very hard not to harness on other people's um, weaknesses or, or, or battles, but let's face it, sometimes it can be a good level to slap well, yourself out it, of something. It can be, yeah. Um, I mean, if you, if you have an opportunity to, and you've got that to in know front someone. Of every day. Yeah, look, and, and we've got some, some wicked friends, you know. We, we don't have a huge friend group. We probably were pretty choosy over the years. It's interesting how people want to be friends with that different person, mm. but only for a short period of time. You know, the time when, you know, they want to get going and they want to be gone in five minutes and, and you take 25 minutes or, or you're an hour late to do something, that becomes tedious and they move on. That was that was one thing that I was, I'm trying to find the right words. What, what I'm impressed with the most is Bernie – a young fella lost his license, this young fella, and he's fallen in love with a young lady in a wheelchair, you know, like it, that really, to me, that kind of- I didn't fall in love with a young lady in a wheelchair. I fell in love with Karen. Yeah. Mm. Like for me, that that tells me a lot about 
Bernie, he met as a as a human being. How you know it's probably, with all respect, it's probably not something that most young men would would be drawn. You know, no, yeah, probably not. You yeah, know, you know what right. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I, I, I think that the difficulty, yeah. the difficulties that they could potentially face. I well, think that's where. You exactly. Well, no. Yeah, uh, oh no, no, no! I was dumb and naive. I fell in love with a beautiful blonde girl. Yeah. The the trials that we may have come across and, and have come across over the years, I had no concept of. None whatsoever. And nor did it matter to me because I was king of the world. Yeah. You know, I was 20-something years old and fit and strong and, and it didn't matter. I was taking on the world no matter what happened. And and Kaz was coming with me. Mm. That was the attitude yeah. that, that our awesome. life was early on. It so awesome. Yeah, no. No, it's know. just it's you, an. You it's can an, get deep into all that, but I, I, I kind of don't see it that way. Mm. Is she paying you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is she I, paying you? you? Look, you know, <clears throat> I, I, I get what you're saying because at the time I had mates who looked me straight in the eye and go, "Are you for real?" Yeah. Again, you're going out with her again. It wasn't just one drunken night sort yeah. of thing, and I would look him straight in the eye and go, "Yeah, yeah, I am actually." You know, she's infectious. Mm. She's under my skin and, and that's the way it's going to stay. And I lost mates as a result. Um, they couldn't deal with the way that our life needed to be. Mm. And that's okay. We've bumped into each other plenty of times afterwards and, you know, there's no no drama. It's mm. just- Where they, they were at. We couldn't be part of their life. Mm. You know, it's not that they couldn't be part of ours. It just didn't work for them and- you know, and that's we have to do things differently in our life to to what other people do. Not not wildly differently, just we have adaptations on the way we need to do things. And, mm. You know, as I say, we've we've got you know, a, a couple that live here locally that that have been our our friends as long as we've we've been here in in Wodonga. And um, you know, we have similar interests. Their kids have grown up together. They hang shit on us for being late to everything, mm. but they've stuck with us through thick and thin. You know. Um, and we've had others that have come and gone along the journey. So, you know, and, and we've met some wonderful people through the Black Dog Ride family and, and through our Apex friends and family that we've had over the years. And, you know, you've you got to understand that some people are just uh, – I, I can't put my finger on it, but if you're going to be friends with somebody, you take them warts and all, don't you? Yeah, you know, it's not – there's no judgment in their life as to who they are and what they're doing. You know, I don't judge – those friends for for the way their lives go and and what they do with their kids and their family, but um, and all they do with ours, and I suppose that's why we're such good friends. Mm. That's what makes friends. Yeah. So something a little bit unusual here. We've got Josh, our producer, who knows Bernie quite well, obviously, and he's sitting here waving his hands and he wants to ask a question. So Josh, far away. Bernie, hello. <laughs> I recall back in the early days of the podcast, you mentioned it may have been off air the importance at the time, or it could have been previous to that, of getting a massage for yourself. And it wasn't so much the physical benefits of the massage, but at the time you were, you told me, and I think Nadia may also have been there, that you were using that as a chance to clear your mind when you didn't really have many other opportunities to do that. Is that something you're still doing? And have that activity continued, I guess, for the lack of a better term, or if it hasn't, have you found something else to replace that? You know, off-air discussions are off-air. <laughs> no. Uh -oh. no, 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 it's true. No, no, it's Kaz true. doesn't know that no, he no, has Kaz, a regular no, no. massage. No, she does. 
<laughs> she does. I yes, short answer yes. Do I still get a massage to help me calm myself? Yes. Full stop. Yes. Oh, regularly? No. I don't do it often enough on a regular basis. And sometimes that's um, not prioritizing the need to do that. Um, mm. You know, I'm terrible at putting other things first um, as opposed to myself. And, and I know that's a funny thing to say and people will go, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. But it's true. Uh, I'll, I'll be, you know, blasting along at work and, you know, just I was going to get a massage today and not actually get around to it because the next email came in or the next phone call came in and you just, you don't do it. And then, you know, oh, I told Kazra I'd be home at 6.30, so she knows that 6.30 means 7.30, so I'll probably get there by then <laughs> and uh, and, I, and I don't get around to it. But um, I still do try to find things. Um, <laughs> when my anxiety is running out of control, so I don't know just there, necessarily. Just there, Burn, how does it manifest for you, the anxiety? Oh, in, an inability to focus is probably the biggest thing. You know, I spin and procrastinate wildly is the first couple of things that, that come up to me to go, okay, you need to calm. Is this a, a, a whole lifespan? Yeah, I think so. If I look back on it, yes. Yeah. Um, and because I'm a bit of a control freak and mm -hmm. the way I look after, or the way I manage myself is to be in control. You know, I have to be managing things. I have mm. to be leading things. I need to be the one who's making all the decisions and planning stuff and, and that way I know that it's done and it's yeah. done right. Stupid thing to say, but- you know, right yeah. doesn't matter whether it's right or not. To me, it is. So that's how I manage uh, my control. That's my control mechanisms, I suppose. Has it always been? I don't know when it started. I mean, I I remember, and I used to think it was stress. I just think I I just used to think I was taking on too much workload and just stressing my head off, and and it would manifest as a metallic taste in my mouth. And I was telling somebody that one time, and they went, "Wow." And in a chat to some uh, to a doctor at one stage, and he went, "Oh yeah, yeah, that I've heard of that. You know, that's not necessarily stress as such, but it's your body doing whatever the hell it does." And and turned out that I was I was anxious to that degree that my body was trying to tell me, and and I was feeling these metallic tastes in my mouth. Sure. And other people would say, "Oh fuck, you can have a heart attack, son." Mm -hmm. But it wasn't that. It was it was just that I'd you know get that sort of feeling. Mm. So have I ever had that treated? Have I ever had that looked at by it? No. Not not ever. I self medicate as they call it. You know, I, if I if I get to a point where I'm um not in enough control of my own situation, I'll probably I only find out that when I'm sort of starting to spin around. And work's a classic example for me. I in my work timelines are everything to my clients. And if I'm not meeting my timelines or I'm not delivering to them the way that they expect or I would want to, that that's a trigger. I can then see that. You know, I'm blowing past and I'm blowing past. And you know, if I'm not if I'm not getting anything done during the day, I'll get to the end of my day and I'll go, I haven't done anything. I've been there all day doing something, but I've done nothing. And that's generally me just spinning in my head and finding other things to think about and do as opposed to focusing on mm -hmm. the task and, and getting going. So when when I 
did enough reading and, and self-diagnosed that you know, that's what it is. And it's not just self-diagnosis. Since talking to professional people afterwards, you know, they've confirmed that likely that is, you know, what my life's been for a long period of time. And that, and the other thing it manifests itself in is, is, is weight gain. You know, when, when I'm not in control or relaxed, and if I'm not in a clear state of mind, I gain weight just simply, you know, kilos in a week. It's mm. just, it's an amazing thing. And, um, and I have learned that if you've, you know, if I've got a clear enough mind and I'm, and I'm focused enough and I can roll forwards and Nards knows me and, and saw me go through a fairly quick and fast change to my, to my weight and to the way I looked at one stage there. And that was purely, in, it, it was a certain amount of diet orientated and calorie control, but the biggest part of that was my mindset and how I was dealing with my day to day and my anxiety was under control and, and I was getting the massages and I was getting all the things that were looking after myself first and others second. And I, I have two sisters, one of whom lives in Western Australia and the other one lives here in Victoria. And my sister who lives in Western Australia with her husband and kids, she's quite successful in her in her business world. And she does gets a lot of coaching, business coaching and all that sort of stuff. And she rings me up every now and again. She goes, here you go. I was, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going good. And she said to me one time, she said, you know, how are you going with filling your cup? I said, I don't know what you mean. She said, well, if you're – Imagine yourself as a cup, and if you keep taking something out of that cup to give to somebody else, eventually the cup's going to get to a point where it's empty and you've got nothing to give to anybody else. What are you doing about filling your own cup up? And I, after that chat, I went, smart ass. <laughs> You're my little sister. What the hell would you know? Um, <clears throat> all tongue in cheek, but took that literally and and started to fill my cup up and find different ways to do that. And that was taken... First of all, it was taking uh, Friday afternoons off and, and going motorbike riding just to clear my mind and go and do those things. And then it became doing more mass, getting more personal things done, you know, having a massage. And I'm not into meditation necessarily. <laughs> it was one of those things, you know, remember the Wim Hof situation where you have your cold uh, yep, ice baths and that showers and, and that. So I tried that for a little while too. Oh, man, that man's nuts. I don't know yeah, who does that. Nothing. That's insane. <laughs> I, as try as I might, yeah, it does actually make you feel good when you get out of your shower, but not in the middle of a bloody Albury winter's morning. Mm. No way, mm -hmm. you know. So, you know, I try, to, I try lots of things like that, but nothing really sticks other than those two or three little things to try to fill that cup back mm. up again. It's it's so important and it, it is a very basic analogy of it, but it's it's one we can all relate to. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, in, in, from Joanna's point of view, with the coaching that she gets and, and, and that all benefits her and her what she can give back to her clients and to and to put into the, her business. And I've never subscribed to that that coaching, that teaching side of things. Probably a lot of benefit in it. She gets great benefit out of it, and so I get benefit out of it too. <laughs> so that's a bit of a win-win. And look, you know, and I, I listen to what she has to say. You know, she's, she's got some great ideas that mm. come through, and that helps me out Sounds too. Like it. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things that, that I take and give back when we're doing community-related stuff. And it's not what I can give to you or what you can give to me, but it's what about we can all do for each other, mm. you know, and if you're doing a little bit and you're doing a little bit and you're doing a little bit and I'm doing a little bit, then 
It's in, contagious. In combination, it can be contagious and we can kick off from there. Mm. You know, if you hang around somebody long enough that's that's got a fairly even disposition, well, then you're likely to have an even disposition. But if you get chuck a couple of other people into the mix as well, Up it can be buoyant. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. So take little bits from everybody and, and try to roll with that. And is my anxiety ever going to be totally under control? Probably not. Maybe because maybe I take too many things on at times. But, you know, I'm working on that. So we'll see It's a work in progress. Everything's a work in I progress. Think we all are a work in progress. Absolutely. Um, as you very well know, we ask a few questions at the end, but what you may not know is we've changed the questions. Good, because <laughs> the other ones were pretty average. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about which way to scrunch my toilet. Do, do I scrunch or fold my toilet paper? I can't remember. Uh, we don't even ask that Thank anymore. God for so, that. But do you scrunch or do you fold? Uh, I'm a scruncher. No, thought so. Oh, did you? Yep. That's deep. <laughs> Are you a camper or a five-star? Uh, I have always been a camper and will remain that way, but I don't mind a bit of five-star. Yep. Pineapple on pizza, yay or nay? No. No. Early riser or night owl? I'm a night owl. Night owl. Beach or snow fields? Mm-hmm. Uh, beach. Yep. Lager or craft beer? Lager. Yep. Now, if you could write a sentence on your tombstone in 50 years' time, what will it read, Bernie? 50 years' time. Fuck. That's right. That's a, a good wicket. something. Yeah, I'm going right there. <laughs> 50 years' time. Well, they, they won't have tombstones. Yeah, yeah. It'll, be, it'll, it'll be all be electronic. Digital. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. What will be on your digital tombstone? <laughs> well, it'll have to be somewhere because I want to get burned. I'm not, not a, yeah, but you're still going to have so. some form of um, – I'm dodging the question. Something. <laughs> <laughs> Stop rationalising it. Um, what would I like to be on it or what would be on it? What would you like to be oh, on it? How would you like to be remembered? I don't need to be anyone special. I, I don't need to be that person up in lights, you know. I'd just like to be a cog in the wheel. Maybe Bernie maybe that's likes to control. Oh, well, Here is I do. The controller. I do, and there's heaps of people who <laughs> testament to that. But Chief controller. Yeah, Chief fat, controller. The fat controller, <laughs> that one. <laughs> we all know that. Um, oh, like, honestly, if, if I was known as – a vital cog in the wheel somewhere along the way, that, that'd be enough, you yep. know, in the, in the chain of whatever's, I, I don't know how to put that into words, but. Yeah. Um, we get the drift. I don't, made I, a difference. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I was the 1%. Bernie made a difference. Well, you've certainly made a difference to Kaz and your boy's world, mm. and that's the most important, and you continue to make a change with your involvement with the Black Dog Ride, and no doubt you will continue to. And you've made a difference to our podcast. Absolutely. We're better, for, better off somebody's having had this discussion. Yeah, that's great. So, I, you know, it's, thank you again, so much. Like it's, I said, if we can share, yeah. all of us get yeah. to make somebody's world a little bit better, then, then that's great. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Bernie. Awesome. You are welcome. This episode was edited by Deadset Podcasting. If you want your podcast to sound this good, check out deadsetpodcasting.com forward slash services. Get the sound you're chasing.